You're listening to The Private Citizen, defending your right to have something to hide. This is episode 83 for Wednesday, the 25th of August, 2021. The conspiracy theorists get it right again. Hello everybody, I'm your host Fab, come to you live from Düsseldorf in Germany. Thanks for being here. Um, yeah, thanks for listening to the show. Um, today, tonight, whatever time it is for you. Um, I'm going to talk about a topic that a lot of people wanted me to talk about, which is uh, the Pegasus spyware and, you know, NSO group who uh, make and sell that piece of uh, phone spyware. Um, yeah, I, you know, lots of people, um, I, I think I was kind of on the motorbike trip when the story broke, so I didn't see it initially, but also, I mean, I saw I, I saw it flying by and I read it, and I read some stuff about it, I was like, I'm not interested in this. And um, I'm not, it's not like that I'm not interested in the topic, I'm very much interested in the topic, but it was kind of news to me uh, five years ago. <laughs> and it's, but it's another one of these situations, I've talked about this on the show before, that I've completely... Um, like, I missed, like, the relevance of the Snowden revelations initially, uh, which you'd think, like, how, you're, like, a privacy security journalist, how could you? And, like, one of the reasons was I was uh, just in a very hard time in my life. I was just, was just, I, you know, I'd moved to London, London for a job uh, and was just fired uh, when it broke and uh, me and my uh, girlfriend at the time were there and we're like where are we going we're moving what, what are we doing and we moving back to Germany and um, so I had other stuff um, on my mind um, but also um, later I was kind of like yeah so what like we kind of knew this right as as nerds and as people uh, who, who deal with this kind of uh, topic every day we knew that the NSA was like spying on people right so I missed this whole like, I didn't understand this whole impact until very much later that it had on the general population because, of course, they're not in the topic. They're not the experts. And um, they, uh, for them, it's a big deal. And so it's kind of the same here with this topic. And while it's still not very interesting to me, I'm going to give my best uh, to make it interesting to you because, you know, I think it's very important to talk about this. And it's obviously some, it's something that lots of producers uh wanna wanted me to have uh, a viewpoint on so i'm just gonna i'm gonna do that today <clears throat> as an aside uh, before we get into that main topic i would sorry by the way i'm i'm um, struggling with hay fever for some I, it's like it's like murphy's law right so it's like i'm recording this at nine o'clock in the evening i've been working all day been writing all day been inside all day uh, didn't have a single sneeze, hay fever attack, anything like my nose was itching. And as soon, literally as soon as I start start pushing the go live on Twitch button and the recording button, um, I'm having like you know hay fever attacks. So I I don't know. It's uh, it's just one of these things. So if my voice sounds a bit rough, I apologize. Yeah, and before we get into the main topic, there's just something I wanted to mention. Um, I've I've looked at the stats for the podcast again today. And uh, it was very interesting to see, um, you know, the show is steadily picking up listeners. Of course, this is, you know, as far as I can tell, it's like really hard with podcasts and stuff. Um, but basically, listenership has about doubled over the last six months. 
and it has now more the show has no more listeners than any other podcast i've ever done except of course linux outlaws which is uh, some people uh, still know me from and you know got got to know me from that show um but we now have about a third or i on this show have about a third of the lo listeners um at its you know when it was uh, you know at the height of its run which you know lo at that point had been around for seven years so i'm kind of happy I'm kind of happy where we are. I think it's cool. I think I like that a lot of pe people seem to be interested in this topic. And um, yeah, and it also explains uh, why I'm getting so many <laughs> emails from marketers lately, <laughs> which is, you know, annoying, but a small price to pay. Um, advertising all kinds of like podcast services or other shit that I don't need. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's uh, I'm, 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 I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. So um, let's get into the main topic here. Yeah, so the main um, the, the topic we're going to talk about on the show today is obviously uh, the Pegasus malware uh, NSO group. And, you know, the Pegasus project, uh, which brought this all... Um, into the light of, let's say, the general public. Um, so I'm going to give a little background on what happened here. So the Pe Pegasus Project uh, was or is an international collaboration of uh, uh, investigative journalists, and uh, they basically um, reported on, I think, a list of 50,000 phone numbers, uh, you know, phones that had been infected with this uh, malware. And uh, of course, um, so this is the Pegasus Trojan. It's made by a company called NSO Group from Israel. And um, basically, to me, as somebody who's been following this topic for a long time now, um, it, there wasn't much new in this whole investigation, right? You basically have a few implementation details and we have a list of victims, right? Which is, you know, in 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 case in some cases, uh, relatively, you know, headline grabbing. I mean, one of the phones affected was uh, belonged to uh, French Prime Minister Emmanuel Macron, um, so that you know that was kind of a, a big thing. Um, but basically, as I explained uh, in the beginning here, what it did, what this whole reporting did, was bring it up in you know for for lack of a better term, the mainstream media, the media read by the people on the street, the normal people, the non-techies. And um, it kind of galvanized this whole idea in the minds of normal people, right? And um, so basically what the Snowden revelations did for, the, for electronic uh, spying programs run by the US, you know, NSA... Uh, style internet surveillance, which, you know, we, as attackers, we all knew was happening, right? We all just assumed the NSA was doing it because it was basically the mission of the NSA. Um, you know, hard drives have, had gotten cheap. Uh, we knew it was possible. We had indications of uh, internet backbone. Uh, you know, there were always reports from, like, technicians where they're like, okay, so I went to work on this internet backbone and there's, like, this room that you're not allowed to go into, right? And like, there's like lots of Ethernet cables going to this room. Um, so uh, we kind of we kind of suspected. 
but basically knew that they was, was just going to copying uh, internet traffic on mass and writing it to hard drives and then scanning it probably for unencrypted traffic and uh, you know uh, just storing it and, and looking at it and analyzing it um, which you know at this point basically was a conspiracy theory just just like this I mean the fact that there's an Israeli company with the you know the tacit or not so tacit approval of the uh, Israeli government like selling the spyware and you know um, you know, government officials uh, activists dissidents journalists being spied on um, there was there was reports about all of this but it was basically you know it's, it was in the realm of a conspiracy theory pretty much as far as the general public was concerned. But, you know, it's kind of one of these other... I always say this, I, th I think the term conspiracy theory or the way it's used these days is incredibly, um, like, I don't know, naive almost to me because there's always, you know, somebody says something and then, like, the journalist goes, ah, that's a conspiracy theory. That's those conspiracy theory nutters. And completely leaving aside that there's been conspiracy theories in the past who have been you know, um, as yeah, conspiracy theory, like any theory, can be right or wrong. Um, the problem is that they're very outlandish ones, where like where they're like, oh, the, all the the world government are hidden under the earth uh, in the hollow earth with Hitler, and they're all reptiles, and they're like drinking the children's blood or whatever. Of course, that's bullshit. You know, like with any theory, there's bullshit theories, right? There's 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 bullshit theories about uh, where humans came from, uh, i.e., uh, God, God, like an old man in the sky, sending like his son to Earth and then uh, making a baby uh, without having sexual intercourse. You know, that's that's this bullshit theory, right? Um, but you know, so so like any theory, a conspiracy theory can be bullshit, and there's certainly uh, probably the majority of them are bullshit. But there are conspiracies, especially when you get into the realm of th that we're going into now. I mean, we're talking, um, you know, intelligence services, uh, government uh, sanctioned spying. Those are conspiracies uh, by by definition. I mean, a, a intelligence service basically is a big big conspiracy. And, you know, governments work together uh, in clandestine ways, right? Um, I mean, you don't even have to go into technology, but, you know, stuff that came out about the U.S. government and, you know, um, them smuggling, 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 them smuggling the weapons over the border, uh, you know, uh, in Mexico or whatever, or like how the CIA uh, makes money, uh, that they can use off the books uh, from selling drugs. I mean, there's lots of th uh, conspiracy theories. Um, you know, the Watergate scandal, those guys, the journalists reporting on this, were originally um, pretty much uh, shut down by the editors, where the editors were going, that's a, that, that's, like, you're through, that's dumb, that's a conspiracy theory, right? And then they did some research and thought, yeah, there was a conspiracy. Yes. The president conspired with some people to break into the offices of the, you know, other political party and all of that. So, you know, just saying something, basically using the word conspiracy theory as a insult, right? So somebody, somebody has an opinion or whatever, and you go like, that's a conspiracy theory, is dumb because it's not an insult, right? It's just, you know, they might be right. <laughs> just as in this case, I mean, this is a conspiracy, Um 
we'll get into that later. But anyway, let's let's do a little bit of background uh, on on this Trojan. So this isn't none of this is is breaking news. Uh, I was uh, kind of amazed. I mean, I was kind of on holiday, so I just didn't matter. Like when, when I'm on holiday, like I might have my phone, but I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm not caring about any of this work shit because I work, you know, I get up. Basically, if you want to know what my day is like, I get up at nine. Like my wife gets up way earlier at me and get up at nine. Usually I like in my pajamas, go from my bed into my home office, sit in front of my computer, turn it on and wake up in front of the computer. Sometimes I play a little bit of video games to wake up. Sometimes I watch some YouTube. Sometimes I start working right away. And I basically work all day uh, until like, I don't know, two two o'clock at night often. Um, and then I go to bed. I mean, I take breaks, you know, I do, I go running, I make some food, I bake some bread, uh, I do some exercises, I do shit. Like I'm not working the whole time, but I'm working a lot. Let's put it that way. Um, and you know doing stuff like this which some people wouldn't consider work because I'm not really getting paid for it but you know to me that is now just just work it's just like another mode of work that I'm doing um, so um, yeah I'm, 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 I'm pretty much doing that all day so when I'm on holiday I'm like fuck I don't even want to use the internet really right I really I, I turn it off I'm like often I unplug for a week or whatever um so that's why when this all broke, I wasn't there. And afterwards, I read it and people were like sending me links. And I'm like, yeah, so what? Like this broke in, in, in 2016. So there was a Vice story in 2016, which basically unveiled that um, there's a spyware called Pegasus, which can be installed uh, without user interaction, basically on, a, on an up-to-date iPhone. Uh, which jailbreaks the iPhone and then installs the spyware, which can do all kinds of crap, right? Uh, record calls, track the phone, you know, record video calls, get all the information, get, you know, contacts, whatever, text message, everything. Like, even encrypted, of course, because we talked about this before on the show. Um, gets all of that. And, um, yeah, that was in 2016, so so we kind of knew that. Then myself, I, when I was working for Heiser, I uh, actually wrote about this several times. I wrote about NSO Group. I wrote about the Android version that was discovered in 2017. And, you know, uh, I, I you know almost exactly three years ago, like this was like in August of, uh, this is what, August 31st, 2018. This is actually, I'd, I'd already handed in my notice um, at Heisel. Um, you know, I, I stopped working there at the end of the year. I, uh, I was writing about um, this story where um, this was originally on the New York Times. Um, basically, NSO Group had hacked a prince, an emir, and a journalist um, to basically, uh, you know, impress a client. They were like, look, look what we can do. Like, you you should buy our software. Like, they were in, in negotiations. Uh, and they were like, okay, so these people uh, you find interesting. Okay, let's let's just give you a demonstration. Just hack their phones um, and see what you can get. Um, so this isn't new. None of this is new. Like the, it, that it works on up-to-date iPhones, um, that, that, that they've been targeting politicians, high-ranking politicians, that they've been targeting um, dissidents, uh, you know, uh, that, that, sh that relatively shady countries have used this. Like we're talking... 
um, I mean, lots of these, um, I mean, there are the companies in Israel, so it kind of makes sense. Lots of their customers are Gulf states. Lots of these states are, you know, totalitarian regimes. I mean, some of them are kingdoms, whatever. But, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're totalitarian uh, um, regimes. So we, we knew all of, all of that. Um, like, we even knew that journalists, which is always important for journalists, oh my God, journalists were hacked. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Um, of course. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, you can expect that. That that gets par for the course, comes with the territory, as Harry Bosch would say. Um so so you know, it's not really news. But let's 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 have a little background. Um so this is um this is basically uh Wikipedia's quite has quite a good of set of articles on this. This is on Pegasus. I'm just going to read out a little bit of like, you know, so you're up to speed. You might not know any of this. Like, you know, you might come to the show and you're like, yeah, to me, this was news last month. So, and I'm not trying to make fun of you, understand? Like, that's not, when I'm saying it's not interesting, I mean, me personally, I don't, I'm not saying like, you should find it interesting. I'm not saying like, why didn't you know about this before last year? I mean, it's probably, it's not your job, but you know, um, you only know when it's in the BBC. Totally fair. Uh, maybe you haven't heard anything about Pegasus, and you're coming to this, and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" So I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little bit about this, so so we are all on the same page. Um, Pegasus is a spyware developed by the Israeli cyber arms firm NSO Group that can be covertly installed on mobile phones and other devices, running most versions of iOS and Android. The 2021 Project Pegasus revelations suggest that the current Pegasus software can exploit all recent iOS versions up to iOS 14.6. As of 2016, Pegasus was capable of reading text messages, tracking calls, collecting passwords, location tracking, accessing target devices, microphone and camera, and harvesting information from apps. NSO Group was previously owned by American private equity firm Francisco Partners, but it was brought, bought back by its founders in 2019. The company states that it, quote, provides that it provides, quote, authorized governments with technology that helps them combat terror and crime, end quote. And so group has published sections of contracts which require customers to use its products only for criminal and national security investigations and stated that it has an industry-leading approach to human rights. That sentence, that's like that term alone, industry-leading, like, to human rights. Like, what does an industry get to do with human rights? <laughs> Like, so you seriously expecting a company to care about human rights? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I'm not one of these guys who goes, oh, no, capitalism is the root of all. We actually have an election in Germany coming out, right? And there's literally, like, just, just on the corner of my road, there's like a, um, um, uh, you know, a, a poster and, uh, for, for, for the MLPD, which is the Marxist-Leninist Party of Germany. Um, and it basically says capitalism is the root of all evil. Go like, oh yeah, so that virus that's and the reaction people are having to that, like the public, uh, that, that's capitalism's fault, is it? <laughs> now you could you could you could say it is because the Chinese created it, but that would be conspiracy. Also, the Chinese are socialists, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, just just as an aside. Um, Actually, about the election, I'm going to have to cover that. Um, but I'm going to probably be going to be away for some time in September. I'm not going to jail. Uh, it's, it's, I just made it sound like 
I'm gonna I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna be in jail. Um, no, I'm gonna be undercover first. Not really undercover either, but I'm gonna be away. I'm not gonna have uh, have the ability to record a podcast. Um, so I'll, I'll be gone for a while. I'll make it up. I keep promising this. At this rate, I'll have to do like an episode a day for in December or whatever. But I'm gonna make make it happen. But the downside of that is I'm probably not gonna be able to cover the German election, which I think is very important. Um, not only for Germany. Um, I think it's just uh, it's probably gonna be like a, something that that'll repeat in Europe over the next year or two, like with upcoming elections. You know, because basically, COVID. You know, the people's reaction to that. It's gonna be interesting. I think I'm gonna cover it afterwards, which is okay. I mean, you're probably not in Germany, so you don't need breaking news coverage anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, anyway, let's get back to uh, Pegasus. Or as Mod Seven says in Twitch chat, industry-leading wankers. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Pegasus was discovered in August 2016 after a failed installation attempt on the iPhone of a human rights activist uh, led to an investigation revealing details about the spyware, its abilities, uh, and the security vulnerabilities ex it exploited. And you know, uh, Citizen Lab in Canada was uh, pretty much instrumental in this. Um, News of the spyware caused significant media coverage. Well, you know, not really, because why is it breaking news now when nothing nothing has changed? Anyway, it was called the, quote, most sophisticated, end quote, smartphone attack ever and marked the first time that a malicious remote exploit using uh, jailbreak to gain unrestricted access to an iPhone had been detected. On August 23, 2020, according to the intelligence obtained by the Israeli newspaper Haaretz, NSO Group sold Pegasus spyware software for hundreds of millions of US dollars to the United Arab Emirates and other Gulf states for surveillance of anti-regime activists, journalists, and political leaders from rival nations. So this is this is last year, August last year. This is a year before the current Pegasus project revelation. Um, with the encouragement and mediation by the Israeli government. Later in December 2020, the Al Jazeera investiga investigative show The Tip of the Iceberg, nice title by the way, uh, exclusively covered Pegasus and its penetration into the phones of media professionals and activists and its, and its use by Isra Israel to eavesdrop on both opponents and allies. So all of this is like, again, we knew all this, right? So there's, there's nothing new. We also knew it was being used as late as December 2020. Um, I have a link to the... So if you go to privatecitizen.press, uh, that's the website for the show. Um, as usual, there's copious show notes with all the stuff I'm talking about, all the quotes I'm reading out. I'm keeping them there in case somebody changes them on a, on a media story or on Wikipedia. It's kind of like the archive, the journal of record for the show. So I have a link to uh, Haaretz. Haaretz? I'm, I'm, I hope I say this right. Um, you know, I'm from uh, Germany, so there's... Um, I don't, you know, I don't have as much uh, contact with Yiddish as uh, people from the US, for example, would have, you know, there's, uh, for regrettable historical reasons um, and quite obvious reasons. Um so I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying this wrong and uh, right, actually, and not butchering it too much. Anyway, um, so let's look at what the Pegasus Project investigation revealed this year, right? Recently, last month. Um, um, oh, I'm missing something in the show notes here. I'm going to need to fix it. I'm going to do that live on the show. Uh, 
can't have like the show notes broken like this. Uh, in July 2021, widespread media coverage again. <laughs> um, uh, what? Why is this sentence broken? Um, uh, Anyway, uh, in July 2021, widespread media coverage, uh, part of the Project Pegas Pegasus Re Revelations, along with an in-depth anal analysis by human rights group Amnesty International, uncovered that Pegasus was still being widely used against high-profile targets. Well, no shit. Uh, it showed that Pegasus was able to infect all modern iOS, iOS versions up to iOS 14.6 through a zero-click message, iMessage exploit. You know, as if you ask any security journalist at this point, without any investigation by, you know, any journalist or uh, uh, Amnesty International, you know, they would have said, yeah, we we assume it's still going to work. Because, I mean, Apple has Titan security and they have Titan iMessage security. But, like, this is something, by this, by the way, something I've always said. I've, um, I always, I can remember when I was working for Heiser, I get, you know, you get, uh, there was this weekly, um, um, time where readers could call into the editorial offices, right? And you had like a day, like an hour where you stood by the phones, and they would you you couldn't like leave your office for that hour, and they would call up. And you know, with IT security, uh, my field, they would always ring. I, I did a lot about smartphones, whatever, but also you know, computer stuff, uh, desktops, computer stuff. Anyway, they would always like Windows or whatever, but they would always call in, and like I would say, fifty percent of the people calling in were like. Um, what can I do to protect myself? And then I, I would always ask, the first thing I was always, you know, my computer or whatever, my smartphone, the, the first thing I would always ask, like, so the, the first question you need to ask yourself is who are you protecting yourself from, right? And often it was like I had written a news story, whatever, about something like this, you know, spyware, state-sponsored spying, whatever. And then they would, would go, well, you know, um, I mean, it's easy to 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 give people well easy, but it's it's possible to give people practical uh, approaches to let's say, okay, I don't want to get malware from the internet, right, on my Windows PC, and they can go, well, um, you could, you know, you should have uh, anti antivirus installed, right? You shouldn't click on links and emails. You should think before you download software, like you know, is this free screensaver really necessary? Where are you downloading it from? You know, did you get that from a porn site? Stuff like that. Um, so that is, that is something you can do, um, you know, or then, you know, you can give people tips about what, what I'm in a company and how can we protect ourselves, right? It's all doable, but like inevitably a lot of these people would then come to, yeah, what, what if the BND is spying on me or like the NSA or whatever. And what I, w I always said is like, so IT security obviously is a gray area. It's not, not a black and white, like it's a scale. Right, your computer is never completely secure, and you're never probably never completely unsecure. You're on a scale, and um, you're basically balancing your need for a, a usable system convenience against security. Right, because there's the old saying: the only secure computer is the computer that's uh, turned off and not plugged into the wall or the internet or anything, right? It just sits there and it's turned off. That's the most secure computer, but it's also completely unusable. Um, and then I would say another important thing is uh, you have to consider who, whenever you're asking a question, how am I defending myself? You need to ask a question, who are you defending against? And I always thought those people, look, if your goal is 
to defend yourselves against the, the Verfassungsschutz or the BID, you know, the in German intelligence service, you might as well give up because you're fighting a state with unlim basically unlimited resources. And if they think you're like a terrorist and they want to spy on you, they will get that done, right? They will, if push comes to shove and they send you spyware or whatever and you don't click on links, you have like anti anti-malware running you're like completely like you're computers bulletproof you you haven't got malware in like 20 years um what they will do is they will put agents in a car outside your house figure out when you leave your house to go shopping uh you know uh go to work they will put a tail on you and some other people will break into your office without you being able to notice them, they will take your keyboard apart and put a bug in it or put like, you know, these little things that you can put in actually like a USB connector where you basically, it's in line in the fucking cable, like stuff like that. They will do that and then they will like, you know, they'll get all your passwords. You cannot defend against that. Um, and then I would always say, but why are you probably not gonna like be targeted? Right. For me, actually, that's another like I actually worry about these things because I'm a journalist and I write shit and, you know, I do do the show. I talk about stuff that it's really uncomfortable to states and that they want to get out there. So I'm actually worried about that. But I'm also realistic. Right. I'm like, there's only so much I can do. There's no never 100 um, percent security. So. And why I'm saying that in connection to this, we're talking about this Pegasus thing, is like, of course you would assume that this keeps going on. And of course you would assume that these guys find security vulnerabilities. Because, um, of course, Apple and, you know, Google and whoever, the Linux kernel, everybody fixes their software. But in this, you're fighting a company, you're fighting an adversary that makes a lot of money. And we're talking billions of dollars from making the software. So they, they're very, very incentivized to find security vulnerabilities. And as security experts, we know that security vulnerabilities everywhere. And you can find them. You can buy them. You can find them yourself. You just put enough resources, enough people on it, you will find them. And they're very incentivized to find them. And usually, a company like Apple or somebody who defends their systems will only find the security vulnerabilities once they get used. It's always the same story, right? That's why zero-day exploits are so important. That's why everybody talks about zero-day exploits. Because zero-day exploits are unknown, right? So you can use them and you can break into these systems. And as long as you don't do it often and people don't notice, you can keep using them. But these get always detected the same way, right? Some, some antivirus um, a vendor who has like Kaspersky, whatever, who has their software on millions of PCs, you know, in offices and companies everywhere, um, will detect these intrusions. Sometimes even, you know, on, sometimes activists get attacked and they, they, they realize that because they're running Kaspersky or whatever, or whatever he said, or whatever company you're talking about, like, you know, Norton McAfee or whatever it's called now, um, you know, Intel security, um, you will they will notice this and then they will see, oh, this, we don't know about this exploit, right? And then, oh, this is a zero-day exploit in Windows. And then they will say, tell Microsoft and they'll fix it. But that means if you're, if you're an intelligence service or somebody who is a company like this who only attacks like, I don't know, a thousand people a year, you know, um, you, can, you can get away with this. You can have, you know, 
you can you can find enough security vulnerabilities and keep using them that when one gets detected, you just use the next one. You have the next one lined up that you haven't used, that you have on the shelf. And that means it's very hard to defend against something like this. Um, super user actually in Twitch chat, I don't know. I, I, at first, I thought this was a... Uh, this was kind of a joke question or sarcasm, but I'm going to take this as um, as is written. A super user says, hold on, you, did you say you can buy security vulnerabilities? What do you mean? Um, what I mean is there are companies that sell, um, that will find or get them from security researchers, they will buy zero-day exploits and will sell them. Um, what's it? Zerodium is a, is a famous one. And there are probably lots of, companies like these companies right there this, this is a very gray business you will not hear their names generally um but we have on record uh from from nsa people um that they do that like they buy uh zero day exploits and let's say if you're a security researcher if you're somewhat morally ambiguous and you're just looking to make money if you find a zero day exploit let, let's let's say you find something like this um a uh, no user interactivity, uh, you know, zero click, so-called zero click exploit in something like iMessage um, that you can really own iPhones with. You could go to Apple and, you know, participate in their bug bounty program and get like $250,000, I think is their highest payout. Um, or you could go to a company or an intelligence service and sell this for like probably, I don't know, there's there's lots of documentation on this, right? Bruce Schneier writes about this a lot on his blog. Um, Troy Hunt has talked about this. Uh, Matthew Green uh, from uh, Johns Hopkins has, has tweeted about that. Um, there are like you know lots of security researchers, but uh, I mean you could probably get two five million dollars for this something like this, um, because it's worth a lot to people like NSO Group who you know they need these exploits. Um, Superuse has this pretty mind blowing. I had no idea. Uh, my first thought was government backdoors, but I didn't think they had to pay for them. Um, if it's a security researcher doing it, it's also really bad. It hurts the image of the whole white hat hacker industry. Yeah, but, you know, these people don't. That's why the term white hat exists. Like, the, you know, this whole hat thing, which, you know, goes back to the Westerns uh, of, the, of the, you know, of the 60s or whatever, where the hero always wore a white hat generally. Um, and then, you know, the bad guy with a black hat. There are, of course, in your Westerns exceptions. I mean, uh, Magnificent Seven is a good example uh, where Yul Brynner wears a black hat. Um, but, you know, Steve McQueen in his, you know, white white hat cowboy image is a good example for a white hat. But, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a self-applied discourse. It's kind of like journalists, right? And there are people who call themselves gray hats, and there are people who call themselves black hats. I mean, that's why the Black Hat Conference called Black Hat. And expe except uh, Black Hat's a good example. Um, so uh, I've never been at Black Hat, but, you know, if you talk to people who've been there, um, at Black Hat, U.S. federal intelligence services and federal agencies have a presence and and they are security conferences, you know, and they will approach people, they will recruit people, and uh, they will also basically drop the hint that they're open to buying security vulnerabilities like this. And in the security uh, sphere, there's been a long discussion about, for example, the NSA, um, you know, even they, they haven't like straight admitted that they're buying zero days, but even like. Um, what they've what they've clearly admitted is like hoarding, like having them, right? If they know, they just keep them. 
And because the NSA NSA's mission is twofold, it is the NSA is there to attack enemies of the U.S. Um, you know, on the internet, computer systems, but they're also there to defend uh, U.S. Uh, computer systems, especially of federal agencies. So, uh, so it's it's always an argument that if they hold, if they know of a zero day, let's say Windows, and they don't tell Microsoft because they're keeping it for. A, attack right there's always the you know the the danger that somebody else has found this zero day right so the russians might have found it and they might be using it and often there have been or in in the past there have been these things where like a big attack uh was 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 mentioned uh, you know was was discovered and then the nsa actually came out and gave information about the security vulnerability because they clearly knew about it uh, but didn't tell anybody about it and then it became a huge thing you know national security threat and then they're like okay now we tell cert or whatever um but if you had been a blackhead would you have admitted i mean there are clearly people who are blackhead who admit that i mean it's not it's not about being evil uh it's a it's a moral code right if you're a, if you're a white hat basically what you're saying uh, is that um, I will only use my abilities as a hacker for, um, you know, morally, uh, I have a moral code, right? I for only for, for good. I will not harm people. You know, I will not attack anybody's computer systems. Um, if you're a gray hat, you're some, somewhat uh, ambivalent. Um, so great, for example, if you if let's say if you're a security researcher, you find a security vulnerability in a, let's, 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 Take a company that has had that I've had had experience with, and that I know this is true. Uh, let's say you find a security vulnerability in a Netgear router, and your security researcher, you go to Netgear and you tell them, and you're like, "So I want to write about this because I found this, and you know I want to get credit, but I'll give you a two months to fix this." Um, and then uh, either they don't respond, or they, you know, you get you get run around, or they tell you, "Yeah, we'll fix it," and two months, nothing happens. A white hat will not publish any information about this because a white hat's like, if I do that, I could harm users of Netgear routers. A gray hat is like, I've given them enough time. I've tried to do the right thing here, uh, but, you know, the Russians might have this. And there might be attacks underway right now. You know, I, this wasn't hard to find. I'm probably not the only security researcher who found this or the only hacker. So I'm going to pressure the company and at some point i'm going to publish it even though that might create harm for some people it's also a net good for society for example right and a blackhead will say you know i don't care about morals i think morals are this is kind of like you know dnd style uh <laughs> moral allegiances right you're like morals are like i'm a capitalist or whatever i you know i don't care about i just care about money i'm gonna I'm, if i find a security vulnerability I, I give it to the person who gives me the most money and there are people that you know admit to this that say this i mean there are people on twitter well-known security researchers um so chaotic neutral yeah i mean you know the dnd system is a bit more nuanced nuanced um but yeah um it's um uh terrestrial jim says uh but the price can also kind of protect normal citizens because it's probably not worth burning those exploit on private those exploit on private citizens yes and this is something that you know and the coverage of Pegasus was 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 also talked about in the press, where like you know these articles are always like if you're just a normal iPhone user, don't worry about this because they're not going to attack you with this because this 
this software, this spyware is very, very expensive to use. And it's like on a, I think it's on a per per infiltrations infiltrated system basis or something like it's basically software as a service. Um and they will, you know, there are reports that these they, this company uh, NSO will help you set it up and they'll actively help you hack people. Of course they deny this. Um but yeah, so it it does it it's not something that is is used against average citizens. And you know the the the, the 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 underlying uh, security vulnerabilities that are used uh, to get into the systems uh, system are a big factor of this, right? Because you know you can only use a zero day that much until Apple goes fuck. We've, we we're we're noticing, right? The vulnerability that was uh, current, you know, with this um, that that was being used with this investigation, you know, this this. Uh, Pegasus project is um, is probably fixed. I don't even know if they named the actual security vulnerability, but you know, Apple will have fixed that. So they're like, okay, you know, now we need another one. Anyway, let's let's finish this uh, look back. So uh, we're talking a zero-click iMessage exploit. Uh, the investigation suggested that Pegasus continued to be widely used by author- authoritarian governments to spy on human rights activists, journalists, and lawyers worldwide. Although NSO claims that it is only intended to use against criminals and terrorists, of course they say that. Now, also, you know, the the press always goes like human rights activists, yeah, yeah, but I mean they use that against anybody, that, you know, they think is um, is a uh, enemy of the state, and we're talking authoritarian governments. Right, so when they say we're using it against criminals, that's you know an activist is probably I don't know in in the uh, in Saudi Arabia is probably violating. I mean, we talked about this on the show in other um, um, contexts. You know, I, with Yevgeny, who's a who's a producer, wrote in, and we were talking about Russian laws and how they're different from yeah, like European laws. Right, in some countries, something that is. Uh, considered freedom of the press where I am in Germany is probably a crime, right? So what I want to, what I'm going to talk about later as well, but what I kind of want to impress to the listeners, you as the listeners is also like, don't get hung up on these definitions, right? Is this terrorist? Is this a crime? What we're talking about here is, is like um, a state who in who, who installs spyware on 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 its citizens' phones. It doesn't really matter who they are, right? It doesn't matter if they're a journalist or if they're an activist or, or a criminal, because once they do that against somebody, they'll do it against other people. This is why you know I talked about on the show which episode was this. I'm gonna have to look this up. Obviously, private citizen not press. If you go to episodes at the top, you get an episode list. Um, which episode was this? Um, targeting your citizens with spyware, episode 70. This was about the German government um, and their plans. And actually, they're, they're not only plans, they're doing this, right? They're, they are doing this. And they're also saying, oh, we're doing it with a legal bounce or whatever. But like my point back then, and it's the same here, is I don't care. This is not something a state should ever do. Um, it doesn't matter if you're trying to find terrorists. It it, like that, that's not that's only an excuse. Um, this is not something a state should a, a um, especially Germany. I mean, we're a democracy. We're un- allegedly under the rule of law, right? 
this is this is not this is this is this is not something that's done like how can a country like germany condemn this see this is what i don't understand this is also a criticism point i have like if you're talking this project pegasus like these investigative journalists covering this like there are people from this site uh svr uh, VDR, you know, and the yeah, German German uh, television stations, uh, public broadcasters, highly respected German newspapers, uh, and they 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 talk about this shit, and they're like, oh yeah, evil states like I don't know Saudi Arabia, or whatever, they're spying on it. Our fucking own government has put the same stuff in law. The the difference is they're writing their own and their shit, right? But really, there's no there's there there's no barrier for them to buy and they've bought this of companies right they finfisher which is partly german like they have an office in munich it's the same thing like nso group finfisher they might as well just go to israel and buy it like how can these people believably say we're against this when when i don't know saudi arabia is doing it and when germany is doing it it's okay because you know we have laws and we like this is the fucking intelligence services they don't care the intelligence service is there and is by definition secret so they can do things that are against the fucking law in the country right if 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 they weren't doing that they'd just be the police like you could tell everybody about what they're doing the reason why you're not telling is basically because you have an assumption that you're going sometimes a state and its organs need to break its own laws for the greater good which is something i've never um like that's the whole, uh, you know, of, um, good of the many, good of the few. This this Spock argument I've talked about on the show as well before, which is, I think, a fallacy. Um, has been actually written about by uh, uh, philosophers, uh, professor, philosophy professor. Why that is a fallacy, uh, but you know that is that's something I've never, um, I've never subscribed to, and this is. Th- here you have a good example why 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 shit like this always backfire right um so uh mode 7 says yeah in, in twitch chat yeah you can always redefine who is criminal and jim says terrestrial jim says uh, for example being gay totally fine at least since the 70s in german law punishable whipping or even death in saudi arabia right yeah and you know um uh hanging a nazi flag in your bedroom totally okay in in the u.s uh highly punishable by law a criminal offense in germany right um (laughs) what a distance to cover going from whipping to death (laughs) well you know if you whip somebody enough they pretty much die so um anyway uh so uh going on with this uh reading this from wikipedia uh targets include so this is still the pegasus project investigation uh, targets include known criminals as well as human rights defenders, political opponents, lawyers, anybody basically, lawyers, diplomats, heads of state, and, and nearly 200 journalists from 24 countries. Oh my God, <gasps> journalists! I mean, we have a list of 50,000 phone numbers and nearly 200 journalists. Oh my God, that's I don't even know what's what's. Okay, I can't do math. Uh, what's 200 or 50,000 percent? See, this is why we have the internet. Uh, 200 is what percent of 50,000 now I have to enter this in this website what is no I don't want that Um, 200 
is what percent of 50,000? Why is it? What is this fucking website? Just give me the fucking answer. Uh, 0.4%. <laughs> Your default search engine is Google. Yes, uh, I will. I will readily admit to this. Um, I thought it would be DuckDuckGo. I'm going to do an episode on DuckDuckGo at some point. I'm going to explain why I don't think that's the solution. Um, but, you know, to make it short, um, I, I mean, I've said this from the beginning on the show. I'm a pragmatist. Um, you know, I like to talk about privacy. I like to have privacy. But I'm also not you. I'm not like the normal use case. I'm a journalist, right? I do. Let me Let me tell you this. I'm doing research for a living. And if you do research for a living, Google is still the best search engine out there, right? I can't fucking uh, prioritize my privacy over my work. And I do have different, like this is just, you know, my normal Windows setup that I do everything. Not everything on, I do the show on and streaming, whatever, and gaming. But, you know, I have a Linux uh, partition on this machine. I have several uh vms and not all of them are set up the same way let me put it that way but anyway um yes for work uh definitely google all the way uh it's just better it's it's just better um but i'm going to talk about DuckDuckGo and alternative search engines but it's on especially DuckDuckGo. it's on the list believe me anyway uh so many journalists oh my god uh 0.4 percent the guardian mentioned 38 journalists in morocco 48 journalists in azerbaijan it's important where the journalists are 12 journalists in the united Arab emirates and 38 journalists in india having been talking i just cracks me up because it's so inside baseball like having been in editorial offices like oh how many journalists like who the f- like your readers don't give a fuck <laughs> the journalists are always oh my god they were spying on journalists <gasps> can you imagine the atrocity they were targeting us this is personal i mean good i always say don't fuck with journalists right because of this because they take it really seriously but it's like it's a bit laughable um i can't use google in emacs says mode 7 um you know, I have a podcast to do right now, but I'm there, there's probably a way. Um, and if there is, you can find it by using Google. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, after the revelations of the Pegasus Project investigation, in which it was revealed that the French president, Emmanuel Macron, was targeted, France launched an investigation into the matter. In the aftermath of these revelations, Macron changed his telephone number and replaced his phone. Furthermore, he ordered an overhaul in security procedures. French intelligence, ANSSI, confirmed that Pegasus spyware had been found on the phones of three journalists, including a journalist of France 24, in what was the first time an independent and official authority corroborated the findings of the investigation um, and you know if you if you then look at what NSO group says about this um, pretty much I had the same experience when when you know covering these stories in the past um, they basically deny everything I mean they don't deny that their spyware is installed on phones and they're selling it but they're denying pretty much everything even though like they're denying helping uh, governments install, um, uh, you know, the Trojan, and there have been credible reports, um, you know, even by, oh, what, what do I, I think um, in this one story, you know, with the emir and the prince that was on the WAPO, I think it was, um, these were uh, 
So uh, these were like private uh, military contractors, basically. So uh, people who pretty much like Snowden, uh, who used to work for the NSA, um, and then they um, moved to a private company, but it was still like working uh, basically, you know, with with US, uh, the US military and stuff. And then also, but they also had other clients. And I think they were in Saudi Arabia. Um, and they were actually uh, tasked with um, uh, doing like in um, like buying this software and using it. And they worked with NSO Group, and they were basically saying, "Well, their customer service like helps you like installing it, and they even help you operate it and stuff like that." Um, so I thought that was very credible. Like you know, this whole oh we don't know. So what? Let's let's look at what NSO Group is saying. Um, NSO Group did not deny the presence of its spyware, responding to the report by stating they rigorously vetted its customers' human rights records before allowing them to use its spy tools. I mean, do they have like a, um, uh, an ethics officer? Like, do they have like who are these people? Like that at NSO? Do they have like graduates of like some Tel Aviv uh, university? Like in 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 philosophy or whatever are they like are they are the ones wet, vetting this or is it the accountants like hmm let, let me let me check your civil rights record okay so what does your uh, bank account say oh yes your civil rights record is uh, is exemplary uh there's there's billions of dollars in your civil rights record um um, it says military, so NSO group says, uh, it says military grade Pegasus is only supposed to be used to prevent serious crimes and terrorism. Of course. Um, NSO stated its purchasing client, uh, NSO stated its purchasing client governments are bidden by, bidden by a signed contract and license agreeing to terms of use and contractually limited to legitimate criminal or terrorist targets. And now they now you in the next sentence you will immediately hear what this bullshit. Uh, once sold, NSO Group says it does not know nor can see how its clients' governments use its spyware. So if they have a contract, so if you're a government and you're buying this software, you're signing a contract that says you can only use this against terrorists, right? And then NSO Group doesn't know anything about how you use it. How are they enforcing the contract? And that's only mentioning that your client is a government, right? You can't fucking enforce that contract anyway right if you're if you're a company and you're selling something to the let's say the german government right and not even just the german government we're talking intelligence service here but okay you're selling it to a german to the german government and then you allege the german government breached the contract right and you're saying okay you can't use our software anymore right uh and you're taking them to court because of breach of contract. You will have to do so in Germany, I guess. Pretty much. It's a German, like, you can't fucking, you can't win. You can't win in a lawsuit against the government. Like, that, that, that doesn't, it doesn't work that way. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Also, I don't think it, it can probably not prevent them from keep using. All, all this is just bullshit anyway, though. Um, because I don't think they like I don't I think they know and I think they don't care like why would they why would they like this whole this 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 just presupposes that companies care about anything except money but I'll get into that later. Um, uh, NSO stated, uh, "quote NSO does not operate the systems that it sells to vetted government customers, 
uh, and does not have access to the data of its customers' targets. NSO does not operate its technology, nor does it collect, nor possess, nor has any access to any kind of data of its customers. Due to contractual and national security considerations, NSO cannot confirm or deny the identity of our government customers, as well as the identity of customers of which we have shut down systems. Um, I like everything we know about the software is that is basically software as a service. They have a very, 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 very slick and very involved way of hiding traffic um, over thousands of servers. This actually is one of the implementation details that came out of this report, which is interesting if you're interested in like the technology side of it. I'm not going to talk about that here. Uh, because I don't think this this kind of show, but it's it is interesting. But like they have like this huge server infrastructure. Like how that's not operated by the customer, right? How can you operate a system as a service without not knowing what's going on there? It does like that's highly unbelievable to me. Um, human Astro says human rights record equals is the Israeli government allowed to sell? <laughs> Well, they don't, as we will see later, they don't care. Um, I mean, look, let's be honest. The Israeli government and uh, and human rights violations, you know, they've been doing things in the Gaza Strip that are clearly human rights violations. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not one to, lots of people will say, you're German, you can't like comment on that, but like, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the generation of Germans you're talking about, you know, uh, 50 years ago, whatever. But, you know, I mean, yes, of course. I mean, the, the German government is also selling weapons to countries that is, uh, you know, I'm the first to admit that. I'm not saying like, oh, government's better. I'm the one saying, you know, governments also don't care about human rights violations. I mean, otherwise they wouldn't start wars, you know. As, as far as I'm concerned, Germany haven't been in Afghanistan. We talked about that last episode was a human rights violation. Um, uh, Terrestrial Shim says, they might enforce it by making it public who bought the software, but that's not going to stop any government. You mean like uh, them stop using it? I don't think so. Because they're in a kind of business where if you do that once, you're dead. You're burned. Nobody will buy your software anymore. Right? If you, that's, you can't, you can't operate like that. Um, uh, Israel have a history of selling weapons to dictators. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, so has, so has the US, uh, so, so has Germany. Um, you know, just 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 have a look at who's using Heckler and Koch rifles. Um, right. To me, I mean, that's just, just, just don't, don't suppose that governments think like that. That's just wrong. Um, uh, the, the CEO of NSO Group categorically claimed that the list in question, so those 50,000 phone numbers, uh, is unrelated to them. The source of the allegations cannot be verified as a reliable one. Quote, this is an attempt to build something based on a crazy lack of information. There is something fundamentally wrong with this investigation. Which is clearly bullshit because taking him at his point, okay, so you're saying this is all wrong because there's a lack of information, right? So you'd follow that up with giving us some information. All they're saying is some journalists, for some reason, have it out for us and they lied and they made up all this shit, but they're not saying this is how it is, right? They're not setting the records that you can't, like, you can't, like, that, that's how it works, right? This is why you look bad as a company when you're a journalist and you, you get a security researcher, right? I've been through this so many times. 
and then you ask them for a comment and we're not going to comment it's like do i have to explain to you that that looks bad right so your only comment is that's completely wrong like the security researcher is lying right so what is what is what is correct like what information can you give me that that would you know corroborate your side of the story um right that's that's the police arresting you because somebody uh, saw your car at a hidden run and they come to your house and they look in your garage and the front side of your car is totally demolished and there's blood on it because you ran over an old lady and then you go no no that's wrong information this is all completely wrong and that's it like that's your defense <laughs> right <laughs> doesn't doesn't really work that way um so that's that's clearly uh pr bullshit um so so what what is new about this investigation let's let's try let's try to talk about that then I mean, we knew that Pegasus existed, um, and we had no reason to believe that it wasn't going to be used anymore this year. You know, um, we knew that it was going to was used against politicians, dissidents, journalists. We knew all that. Like we we had no reason to believe that would stop, right? Um, so we also know that basically NSO saying, "Oh, we only say this to good people. We sell this to good people. We vet our customers. That that is bullshit." um you know from from stuff we from targets we had reports about before so you know there's only some juicy details that was basically interesting but you know macron and um that that it, you know it was confirmed that it use it still works on current irs and you know it's no user interaction or whatever um but as i said before um this is still an important topic to talk about because this reminds me very much of snowden because as with snowden um nobody in the public and in the what i would call mainstream media organizations so you know not stuff like i don't know vice uh ask technica heise not not very specialized technology press like this um they didn't listen to the experts right the experts warned them years ago in some cases decades ago they said the NSA clearly has this capability. They're clearly doing this. There's no reason why they're not doing this. Um, and these people who said this were borderline, but they were either ignored or they, they were, you know, basically they were just kept skeptical thinkers, like people like us, you know, using their own brains, uh, having a bit of common sense. They were like, hard drives are cheap. We have all this technology. The NSA has that mission. Why wouldn't they do that? And these people were either ignored or branded as some little bit of a nutcase or maybe a conspiracy theorist right um but then okay snowden comes out uh works with journalists the journalist publishes and suddenly it's like breaking news right and but basically what we've done is we proved these theories that experts had for years correct surprise right and the big surprise is that you know in case of snowden and in this case there is actually a conspiracy there is a conspiracy by state organs to spy on citizens, you know, and in this case, you know, even with like the tacit or not so tacit approval by uh, the government of Israel. Like that is a conspiracy. It just turns out to be right. Right. 
and I'm I'm I have I'm kind of have to apologize. I'm I'm sorry. I know I'm incredibly cynical about this, right? But like you have to understand why I've been seeing like the same pattern for I've I've now been it's unbelievable. But next year in in March, first of March next year, uh, I've 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 will have been a professional journalist for ten years. That's a decade. I can't even believe that. But you know, but even longer than that, I've just been a nerd and been doing this not professionally but in my free time and i've seen this pattern repeat and repeat and repeat again it's not only snowden it happens all the time so people the the mainstream the, the people you know in in the, the journal normal journalists that, that write for a big audience and the public they will not listen to experts right they will belittle them they will ignore them they will brand them as nutcases ha ah, the paranoid right this, this linux uh tinfoil hat people right until something happens um, until something changes the journalist gets the right input from the right source or maybe the right motivation something happens some big name is suddenly involved you know hacking people's iCloud doesn't you know nobody cares for years nobody cares Jennifer Lawrence iCloud gets hacked and there's pictures with like fucking semen on their face and everybody's like, oh my God, iCloud got hacked. Oh, what are we going to do? We're all going to die, right? And that is like, it's just fucking annoying to me because I'm on that side of the experts where we're going, this is happening. Right? Even as a journalist, I'm writing stories about this. Nobody fucking cares. Right? You actually go to like mainstream, and I've done this several times. I've done this for Heiser. I've done this as a freelancer. I've like, I have this story. It's like, you know, don't you maybe want to put this in in their Spiegel? And like, oh, no, nobody really cares. It's not. It's not for a mainstream. Like, it's not for our audience. You can't really. It's too technical, right? And but somehow it's a story. And what's most ironic about this, and what which really like pisses me off is that's often journalists right who who ignore this shit and they know about this it crosses their desk but they're like like this isn't nobody cares or they're like they're actively actually belittling experts that are saying this so there's a panel at a security conference whatever and somebody says well oh, my god this is happening and they're like ah this conspiracy theory tinfoil hat idiots ah oh, look they're crazy that this mcafee he's on coke or whatever okay mcafee maybe uh, Mac mcafee maybe is a bad uh, example um but you know and then but then later it comes out and it's a story and then they're outraged because journalists oh my god they've targeted the journalists right so so i'm sitting here going i'm writing stories like f almost five years ago going this is really bad there's a company in israel it's doing this right and you know the u.s is allied with israel whatever germany is friendly with israel and you're going like this is a government and they're doing this in the and they like this is bad and they're attacking journalists and everybody they're attacking everybody and nobody fucking cares and then suddenly it's the story of oh my god they, all the journalists go oh my god there are 200 journalists on the list they were attacking journalists how dare they just fucking annoys me um uh, yeah, Mode7 also points out it's a good point uh, in Twitch chat here. Uh, with the Snowden stuff, the thing he's already said are happening, uh, he's already said are happening, keep getting reported on like it's new. Yeah, 
Um, that's the other thing, right? That's the other downside of the news cycle, right? So this now gets reported as 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 breaking news. It's breaking news for two weeks, and everybody's like, "Oh my god," talking to to their friends about it, and then it's forgotten, right? And then the next time something comes around, it's either reported as new, "Oh my god, they're spying on iPhones," or it's like people like get wary of it and they don't they don't care anymore. Right? Or they, they they would just forget it and start belying, believing NSO groups or some government's lies about it again. And you're like, dude, no. Like, there's... Okay, so so with the Snowden revelations, um, there was a strong indication that... So in Frankfurt, there's the biggest uh, internet backbone in the world. It's called D6. D-E-C-I-X. Uh, Delta Echo. Charlie India X-Ray. Um it's like it's the biggest. It's huge, and there there were um, there were material in the Snowden revelations that basically said the NSA has uh, was working with the BND and has the cap- capability. They have basically the, for every Ethernet interface in this in this huge backbone, they've duplicated it. So they duplicate every single packet that goes through there, and that goes on a completely d- different network. And then there, you know. They're saving that and they're sharing the information, whatever. And everybody denies this. Like the BND denies it, the German government denies it. This is not happening. It's completely not happening. People have said, "I've been there. There's there's weird rooms. There's weird shit that I can't go into. That we don't know what's going on there." It's clear that this is happening, and people are still denying it. You fuck Snowden said this. You believed Snowden and everything else, but no, the BND is not doing this. That it's all the, the evil Americans. We fucking knew they were sharing shit. Like the BND was going, oh, we can't spy on Germans. You can spy on Germans. You can spy on Americans. We can spy on Americans. Just you spy on the Germans. We spy on the Americans, and then we actually exchange data. And all so well, it's all good. Everybody's happy, right? It's, it's shit like that where you're going. Like the people forget this again, and this is also, I think, important. Why we have to talk about this and see it like also from a different angle than people in the like normal press and maybe on Twitter are doing it. Um, so why I think that this is boring, like this topic for me is really boring, because you know I cared about this five years ago when it was actually breaking news, and I wrote about it, and then it's like, yeah, I know this now. And next, and I've not forgotten about it, right? But I'll bring it up whenever, like, whenever I write a story and I go like, or when somebody talks about something and go like, yeah, Israel is really above board. I'm like, hey, they host this company. Or like in Germany, we have FinFisher, right? So I keep it in mind. I don't like file it away and it's forgotten, but it's not like I'm a journalist, right? I care about the new stuff. This is not new stuff. Um, But I think it's still, like with Snowden, it's important that we need to talk about this and that people don't get duped by the same stuff over and over again. And something I just realized when I was doing the show notes is actually, uh, 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 you know, two episodes, no, three episodes ago, episode 80, I talked about, you know, Biden and cyber war and how it would lead to real war, right? And this was actually after... um, the so this was the beginning of August. This was after these Project Pegasus revelations, but because I hadn't like dug into that, I I I hadn't known about that. Otherwise, I would have brought it up in that episode. So I'm bringing it up here now. You have somebody like Joe Biden, the President of the United States, going, "Hey, the Russians are hacking us. This is cyber war, and we might retaliate, like with real war. Presumably, if it's the Russian." 
Russians using nuclear weapons or whatever, right? So, but we just had a revelation that Israel is hosting a company that does this. This is an Israeli company. The Israeli government knows they're using this. They're conspiring with this company. They're using it themselves, right? So, just I mean, I didn't even go into that, but just imagine this fucking hypocrisy. So it's okay if the Israelis, you know, whatever, uh, you know, if if uh, Netanyahu or the new guy Bennett, if if they do it, but if Putin does it, it's evil. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, people buy this shit. When people say something like this, I mean, this, this is this is so much hypocrisy. I can't even like I can hardly like. It almost blows my mind that people not immediately go, wow, "My God, this is." Just imagine, just imagine the news. There was an investigative journalist project that revealed of the whole world. You know, all these journalists got together, they researched all this shit, and then they revealed that there's a company in Russia that the Russian government knows about, that Putin knows about, and that the Russian government is using, that is infecting phones of journalists, politicians like the French president, uh, activists all over the world. 50,000 phones. Just imagine the fucking outcry backlash towards the Russian government. Even though it's a private company that just operates there, but you know, they kind of collaborate, whatever. Yeah, with Israel, it's like, okay. The only thing we had happened is like the French got a little bit bad because it's Macron, and Macron like rang up Bennett and was like, what the fuck, dude? What the fuck? You're spying on my... F you, you fuckers are spying on my... F like, what the fuck? And of course, the Israelis didn't do anything. They were just like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Um, it's just like, that just... That just like I don't know, and you know, in line with something we also talked about this show on the show recently, um, what we have to hammer into people's brains apparently because they don't get it is companies do not have morals, they don't have ethics, they don't fucking care. They just tell you they do. It's PR, propaganda. It's propaganda relations. I'm gonna call it. Start calling it propaganda relations. That's what it is. It is bullshit. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, they're saying they're vetting it for, for civil rights. Whatever. Companies care about what makes them fucking money. That's what they care about. And they care about the only thing they do this, they pretend to vet or they vet or they have this contract this contract in there. And then, yes, NSO group probably cuts people off or governments, whatever. But they only do that because they can't get away with it anymore, right? That. They're going to do stuff as long as it makes them money and as long uh, as long as they get away with it. And people have to be fucking careful because they get duped, right? So there's, um, I have a link in the show notes, Private Citizen Press. Um, there's a story on the Washington Post that is like from the 21st of July. So this is right after the uh, these revelations, right? Revelations in air quotes because and we knew all of this. Anyway, uh, that basically talks to the fucking founders of of NSO Group. And they're like, oh, yeah, uh, somebody has to do the dirty work. And they have quotes like, uh, what's it? Uh, uh, CEO Charles Julio said he would have shut Pegasus down if there was a better alternative. In lengthy interviews, Julio and co-founder Omi Lavi 
traced the journey launched from an Israel, Israeli kibbutz and said the company's technology had saved lives. Like, this is the most obvious fucking chill piece, right? This is what's wrong with, with um, this notion that uh, journalism has to be objective and how, like, publishing companies use that, right? They, they, they are part of this international journalism investigation. They published this breaking story about this Israeli company spying on everybody. And they're like, now we need to have balance. So let's get two writers who interview the founders and give the other side. Right? Then we have balance. Except one side of the balance is really good research. Right? It's not news, but it's fucking it's really good research. And it's probably right. And the other part of the balance is pure PR bullshit. Right? And there's enough people who read that and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. They believe it's the Washington Post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on the Washington Post. Yeah, yeah. They saved lives. So, you know, they've had their... Like, no. No, you don't fucking do that story. I don't care what the CEO of the fucking company says. What do you think he's going to say? Oh, yeah, our bad, really bad. We're shutting the company down. Like, we're a force of evil in the world. Of course he's going to say, yeah, we saved lives. Oh, if, if there was another way, we'd stop tomorrow, right? Don't, don't, don't mind my bank account, right? Don't mind my three yachts, my private plane, the cars I'm driving, this golden watch on my wrist. Like, don't, don't mind, don't mind that. You know, we are a small startup. We started in this kibbutz and we are like really cool. Did I mention we Israelis? You know, we have to defend our country. Like, fuck why do why do why do people why 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 do people believe shit, shit like that i don't get it um but the last thing i want to talk about something that's also really important and something that not a lot well you know the tech press as usual is focused on this but like this 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 isn't a thing that really I don't think has to hit the mainstream so much. But, you know, in episode 81, we talked about Apple, right? Um, we talked about Apple and how I believe that their privacy promise is just PR, uh, propaganda relations. And I think it's the same with security, right? It's, it's to Apple, it's an advertising feature, right? It's not that raison d'etre that there was claim it is. Um, so how how else could you explain? Like there's literally a report from yesterday, uh, from uh, from TechCrunch, where they talk about like there is still like current exploits that they can use, right? Um, Citizen Lab, the Internet Watchdog, based at the University of Toronto, analyzed the activist's iPhone 12 Pro and found evidence that it was hacked starting in February using a so-called zero-click attack. The zero-click attack took advantage of a previously unknown security vulnerability in Apple's iMessage, which was exploited to push Pegasus spyware developed by Israeli firm NSO Group to the activist's phone. Um, the hacker is significant, not least because Citizen Lab researchers said it found evidence that the zero-click attack successfully exploited the latest iPhone software at the time, both iOS 14.4 uh, and later iOS 14.6, which Apple released in May. But the hacks also circumvent a new software security feature built into all versions of iOS 14, dubbed Blast Door, which is supposed to prevent these kinds of device attacks, filtering malicious data sent over iMessage. When reached by TechCrunch, Apple would not explicitly say if it had found and fixed the vulnerability that NSO is exploiting. Okay, let me translate this journalism speak. They haven't. If they had, they would have said so. 
<laughs> you know, that's how IT security uh, propaganda relation works. If you fixed it, you, why? Like, there's no reason not to say you, you fixed it. So they haven't. Um, <clears throat> Uh, a spokesperson for Apple said Blastor was not the end of its efforts no shit, to secure iMessage and that it had strengthened its, its defenses in iOS 15, which is slated for a release in the next month or so. So you'll have to buy a new iPhone. No, you'll probably, I don't know if I still get on my iPhone, on my old shit-ass iPhone. But, you know. Uh, and then we have a nice, interesting tangent here that I, this I liked. Um, this is further on in the story. Uh, Musa Abd Ali, a photojournalist who was previously targeted by Finn Fisher, this other spyware company. Um, so it doesn't, you know, it's not only NSO Group, but, you know, there are lots of companies doing this. Um, sold to the Bahraini government, had its iPhone hacked while living in London. Abd Ali, who said he was arrested and tortured in Bahrain, said that he thought he would set his, he would find safety in the UK, but that he still encounters digital surveillance, but also physical attacks, as many victims of as many victims of spyware experience. Yeah, no shit. Just 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 ask Assange <laughs> how how uh, how much uh, the UK values your freedom. Um, Instead of protect quote instead of protecting me, the UK UK government has stayed silent while three of their close allies, Israel, Bahrain, and the UAE, conspired to invade the privacy of myself and dozens of other activists. He said, "Yeah, that's exactly. I just thought that was just like a good um, another you know of another just viewpoint on on what I was saying. Right? We have we have these governments conspiring. Like this is a fucking conspiracy." And, you know, as far as Apple is concerned, The Guardian, uh, so this is like initial, this is like a day or what, a few days after the initial Project Pegasus reporting, um, basically also came to this conclusion. So even back then, like, you know, last month or whatever, uh, The Guardian said, um, dating back to the earliest days of the mobile platform, Apple fought to ensure that hacking iOS was hard, that downloading software was easy and safe, and that installing patches to protect against newly discovered vulnerabilities was the norm. And yet Pegasus has worked, when this is the important part, and yet Pegasus has worked in one way or another on iOS for at least five years, half a decade. Probably longer, right? We probably didn't know about the first five years. Uh, the la latest version of the software is incapable of exploiting a brand new iPhone 12 running iOS 14.6, the newest version of the operating system available to normal users. More than that, the version of Pegasus that infects those phones is a zero-click exploit. There's no dodgy link to click or malicious attachment to open. Simply receiving the message is enough to become a victim of the malware. It's worth pausing to note what is and isn't worth criticizing Apple for here. No software on a modern computing platform can ever be bug-free. And as a result, no software can ever be fully hacker-proof. True. Uh, governments will pay big money for working iPhone exploits, and that motivates a lot of unscrupulous security researchers to spend a lot of time trying to work out how to break Apple's security. But security experts I've spoken to say there's a deeper malaise at work here. Quote, Apple's self-assured hubris is unparalleled, end quote. Patrick Wardle, former NSA employee and founder of the Mac security developer Objective-C, C as in Sierra Echo Echo, told me last week, Quote, they basically believe that their way is the best way, end quote. What that means in practice is that the only thing that can protect iOS users from an attack is Apple, 
And if Apple fails, there's no other line of defense. And the heart of the crit criticism Wardle accepts is a solid motivation. Apple's security model is based on ensuring that for the 99% or more, for whom the biggest security threat they will ever face is downloading a malicious app while trying to find an Ill illegal stream of a Hollywood movie, their data is safe. Apps can only be downloaded from the company's app store where they are supposed to be vetted before publication. When they are installed, they can only access their own data or data a user explicitly decides to share with them. And no matter what permission they are given, a whole host of the device's capabilities are permanently blocked off from them. But if an app works out how to escape that sandbox, then the security model is suddenly inverted. Quote, I have no idea if my iPhone is hacked, end quote, Waddle says. Quote, my Mac computer, on the other hand, yes, it's an easier target, but I can look at a list of running processes. I have a firewall that I can ask to show me your programs or trying to talk to the internet. Once an iOS device is successfully penetrated, unless the attacker is very unlucky, that implant is going to remain undetected, end quote. A similar problem exists, that's a very good analysis on The Guardian, by the way. Um, a similar problem exists at the macro scale. An increasingly common way to ensure critical systems are protected is to use the fact that an endless number of highly talented professionals are constantly trying to break them and to pay them money for the vulnerabilities they find. This model known as a bug bounty has become widespread in the industry, but Apple has been a laggard. The company does offer bug bounties, didn't for a long time by the way, uh, does offer bug bounties, but for one of the world's richest organizations, no, uh, sorry, the Guardian, the richest, the richest company in the world, by a big margin, I think. Um, um, you know, compared to the, I think the second biggest Microsoft, they're they're pretty much better. Anyway, but one, but for one of the richest organizations, its rates are pitiful. An exploit of the sort that SO Group deployed would command a reward of about two thousand five hundred. Sorry, $250,000, which would barely cover the cost of the salaries of a team that was able to find it, let alone have a chance of outbidding the competition, which wants the same vulnerability for dark, darker purposes. And those security researchers who do decide to try help fix iPhones are hampered by the very same security model that lets, lets unsuccessful attackers hide their tracks, and often hampered by Apple themselves, you know, when you try to contact them etc etc it's hard to successfully research the weaknesses of a device you can't take apart physically or di digitally so i think this is a very important thing we have to keep in mind this, this goes a long way to explain why stuff like this happens i mean one of the reasons we talked about um we're talking very well funded organizations here with very narrowly targeted attacks um you know this is basically state-sponsored uh, attacks I mean, the company is a private company, but you know the customers are generally states, um, so you know they get they get money on the uh, scale of you know state sponsors attackers attackers because you know, it's basically states outsourcing this um, to this company. Uh, so that's one reason. The other reason is that Apple is just you know yes they are good like you know one of the reasons. I like the iPhone is yes it is uh it's it it had significantly less exploits or has significantly less, less exploits than a lot of Android phones um they're surprised to pay for that it's not like with any, anything in security it's not of of course it's not um like set in stone it's not 
it's not like and iPhones are secure, Android phones aren't. It's like it's a grayscale. But I'm, I'm. Let me put it this way: I've owned a lot of Android phones. I've owned a lot of iPhones, and I'm generally more um, happy with the security on an on an iOS device. But you know, as they point out, that's completely down to Apple. And if they let me down, they let me down. And I I don't live under the illusion because i don't buy their pr i don't live under the illusion that i'm safe right or that especially as a journalist yes i could get attacked by something like this anybody could you could just like you get you 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 go in you you strain the line of fire because of something i don't know we talked about this before right it's the the whole if you if you if you allow a law-abiding citizen you've got nothing to worry about defense is bullshit especially if you're talking other governments in other countries you know and totalitarian governments and that um so you know i'm not under the illusion that this is protecting me but you know apple ios devices um the, the security yes there is significant security there but it all it's also not their raison d'etre they want to sell devices and they, they sell them with features and yes you know with having them stable uh you know that's one of their big selling points but you know don't kid yourself you know when they run when they run uh ads you know talking about how secure iPhones are yes i mean that's that's pr just just like the privacy stuff if they um make more money or they get threatened um, let's say you know let's say it comes to the point where the us government wants to build a backdoor in there and have the us government i mean apple is a us company they have the means you know they can change the laws they can make this in secret they they can force them to put a backdoor and i have i have zero uh like illusions about that like you know um doesn't doesn't matter how often tim cook says we're never going to do that of course they're going to do that if it's that or you know go out of business or be threatened by the government yeah of course you're going to do that what you're going to do <laughs> what's tim cook gonna do if the fucking fbi shows up it is like he i mean he's rich as fuck but he's still a citizen in the u.s right they, <laughs> they can presumably just put him in a van and uh is off to guantanamo i don't know you know patriot act black helicopters conspiracy theories um if you want security, don't carry a phone. The trade-off is that you don't have a phone. This month, I mean, yeah. See, this is the some of the. This is why the, these these solutions don't work, right? So, so what you have to be aware of is that it's always a trade-off be, between usability and security, and you have to have usability. The the very if it was that easy, these people wouldn't get attacked. Like if you as an activist could live without a smartphone, if a journalist could live without a smartphone, they would, and he wouldn't be attacked. Right. If 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 as a journalist you could put your privacy over having to use Google because you need to find information, people I wouldn't be using Google. Right. It's not because I'm lazy. Uh, it's because it's, uh, it's I need it. It's the, it's I just I've I've I constantly try other search engines. <laughs> I tried to use Bing for a week. it was the biggest disaster. I had to give up after two days. I just couldn't like. I was writing stories I knew 
there were there were um I, I mean i knew there was material on this because i read it before and i couldn't find it whatever i did i couldn't find it in bing i just had to give up i typed the thing into google found it immediately it's just like you know it's just this any security solution that um tries to basically ignore the user's needs and it's it's, it's never going to work right um it's just or any privacy solution for that matter or any free software solution right i've i've had this you know when we were talking free software and Linux outlaws so many times when somebody says i need this feature and it's just not available in a in an open source application then the open source people go don't use the feature now you fucking don't understand i need the fucking feature <laughs> i mean this kind of not putting yourself into the shoes of the opposite person is often the problem, especially with tech people. And um, it's often what bites us in the ass. And it's especially with security. Um, it's just, it's why we have so bad solutions, right? This is why I try to do this OTG thing on the show, right? Which is really hard where I'm like, if you listen to the show, uh, please write in if you like, you know, if, if you have an app, that does some, you know, if you if you have something that helps us be OTG, right? Be off the grid, as in, you know, not have companies spy on us, right? If you have an alternative mapping solution or whatever, and we don't have to use Google Maps or whatever. Um, but that is like really hard to do. There's a reason that is hard to do. And there's a reason this this um this idea of surveillance capitalism works because it's really hard to live in in the modern world as a functioning person with a life um, without this stuff, right? It's virtually impossible to be a journalist without having a smartphone. It just, it just does not work. Um, so, or, you know, having a computer or whatever, you know, so it's that, that, that is the, that is, that is one of the problems. And that's, you know, then we can, we, we if we accept that, and then we have to accept the fact, okay, I have a smartphone, now, I cannot secure it. Um, and then you have to just tailor the solution to your lifestyle. You have to go, okay, so maybe uh, if I am writing a very, very, like in my daily work as a journalist, like 90% of the time, I can just use my, my computer, my smartphone, whatever, all of that, doesn't matter, I'm just writing about, I don't know, the next Apple update, whatever, who cares? But... Now I have like a, a whistleblower who's contacted me over tour or whatever, and I, I'm going to meet him. And, and this is going to be a very, very, very critical story, and it's going to be very sensitive, right? Can I maybe not take my phone? Maybe I can do this story just on paper. Maybe I just take a, a notebook, right? A notebook on, on a pen and a pen. Be really old-fashioned. And then if they have to spy, if they want to spy on me, they have to do the legwork. They actually have to tell me in a car and follow me around and sit like wherever we're meeting at the next table. I mean, of course, maybe the guy has a phone and it gets like the source has a phone and it gets blown that way because they're spying on him or her. But like, th that's the kind of thing how you, how you have to approach these things. You have to like, there's no ready-made solutions for any of this. It's not like I can buy antivirus anti and I'm safe. Right, you have to always have to look at your threat land landscape. Like, what are my problems? What I am? What am I using? What software am I using? What hardware? Like, where am I vulnerable? 
who do I who am I defending against right and it's hard this whole shit is hard um as Rossi says freedom hater yeah well we've we've known this we've we've known this for decades now um just use Google at your friend's house to do all of your research. Yeah, but they're they're smart enough to figure out it's me. <laughs> that's that's the real problem. Also, if I take my phone with me, then they Google knows where I am <laughs> because I got Google Maps on my phone. Whatever. Um, yeah, exactly. Flexibility trade offs says Mozart. And you have to. It's hard. It's hard to do. But that's that's the um, that's why we fail, right? That's um, that is something nobody manages to explain to normal people because the journalists that are writing this they don't know enough about this and techies often like i've worked with a lot of tech journalists and they're often blind to this as well um like i was very happy at heiser security like the the people there i had a very very flexible like they understood generally um i worked with people who understood this and i learned a lot of this from like my my editor there um and colleagues there who like you know, impressed this to, on me from the beginning, like how, you know, how there's always trade-offs, how you have to analyze who you're defending against and all that. I mean, I didn't come up with that. But, like, there's also lots of techies who don't understand this and also lots of tech journalists. Um, and then you always met with, like, unbelievable... Like, I, you know, I've, I've, I've been on a stage on the biggest German trade show right and and basically hosting a a panel about security and you know people were discussing things and you know and i'm saying things like you know there's a discussion or somebody's asking you know how how can i secure myself from this like from an attack again of an intelligence service or you know the police and I'm, I'm i'm like saying you probably can't and everybody like these are security professionals experts in their field like 600 of them or like a thousand of them people were there and everybody goes like oh, what like what does that mean like they can't say that like of course you can defend. I'm like no if it's the fucking BND and like if it's the German government they, they're gonna they think you're a terrorist no what are you gonna do like they they just have basically infinite people infinite resources uh, yeah but the people don't like they don't grasp that and I mean, it also it 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 doesn't help. Like it would be, it would already be impossible to impress this on on normal people. I think if the journalist writing about this in the let's keep calling it the mainstream press, um, you know, people on the Spiegel, the Zeit, the BBC, the Guardian, if those guys actually believed the experts. Right, and we're like, okay, so we know this is a problem, and wrote this in 2016, and made the big fuss they're making. They made like last month in 2016. It probably would be impossible. But then we also have these people like basically making fun or ignoring the the you know the experts going, uh, you know, ha ha ha, to these tinfoil hat people, and it's it's probably all right, and the government's probably not doing this, and it's it's fine, it's fine if Israel does this, or like if Israel could, like if the government of Israel condones a company in their country who sells this shit all over the world, 
and they're spying on on tens of thousands of people lots of them like journalists and whatever uh it's it's like that that of course that that doesn't that doesn't help so yeah i don't know what what can we take away from this in the end um i think we need to take away that you know security is always gray area and it's always trade-offs and there it's it's never absolute and yes i mean i've I've said this in the past as well you know compared to a desktop computer uh, security on a smartphone is, is a big step forward because you have sandboxing of apps and all of this that you don't have for example on the pc um but you know that doesn't mean we can feel secure you, you know and take away that yes if somebody has enough um resources they can attack you and there's probably little you can do about it and that's you know and apple is not so much your friend as you think like they're going to ignore this as long as they can you know even if they they say this all the time it's just despicable that people are attacking journalists whatever like apple is not in the business of protecting journalists phones Apple is in the business of telling, selling a shit ton of phones to everybody. And that's the thing. This is, the, you know, when they say in The Guardian 90, 90% or what, 99% or whatever, yeah. Right? But then I, you can't go, you can't write that as a journalist and then be outraged that they're checking you because you're not one of the 99%. You got to know that as a journalist. You got to expect this. Right? So I am, ever since, like, even before I was a professional journalist, I was in a mindset where I go like, if I discover tomorrow that I have spyware on my phone and it's like some government spying on me, I'm, you know, it's not like I'm going to be, yeah, well, okay, that just happened, right? I'm going to be, I'm going to write about that. I'm going to make that public, of course. And, you know, I may play up my outrage a little bit to like, you know, for for you know to get a story like to get to write it you know to have it interesting but it's not like i'm going to be like surprised right <laughs> i'm somebody i'm such a conspiracy theorist that pe- as people would say it's not a tinfoil hat guy that i'm like yep i'm a journalist i'm probably talking about stuff that people don't like you know i i wrote a story for heiser um ages ago about like a security vulnerability in a uh, missile system from an Israeli defense contractor, right? So I write the story, stories published on Heise, and not an hour later, I get a phone call from Israel, from their company, allegedly, uh, where they wanted me to, like, unpublish the story. But it didn't really sound like they were really from that company. I mean, they were kind of, like, making, like, veiled threats and it, it wasn't like a, like they were basically trying to like scare me into unpublishing the story i'm like dude this is heiser like even if i wanted to right even if you have a drone outside my window right now and the laser dots like on my forehead yeah even if i get my editor to unpublish this which is not gonna happen by the way like it's on the internet man it's on heiser like if we unpublish it it's there's gonna be a huge story on golem Heiser just unpublished a story about like this missile system. <laughs> like what? What the fuck? Did they just get threatened by Mossad or whatever? I'm mean, like, this is the right. So, but I'm like, ever since that happened, I'm like, okay, like if I have the like, 
when when the whole NSO groups thing came out, like I, I'm not, I will not be surprised if I have like Pegasus on my phone, right? And in in other things, like if I was ever gonna go to Saudi Arabia for a story, right? I'm not gonna take a fucking phone. <laughs> like I, I ex or like Iran or whatever. Like I expect them to just like collect my phone at the airport and go, yeah, we're gonna need 20 minutes. You sit in this little room while we yell at you. And then I get my phone back and I'm like, totally, yeah, I'm gonna totally use this phone, right? Uh, no, so I'm not gonna even take a phone. I wouldn't take a computer either, right? And you know, there, there's, there's, I know IT security journalists who actually like get a blank laptop when they go to like, I don't know, DEF CON or whatever, you know, when they go through US customs to a security conference, they're not taking like the normal work. They can just get a blank laptop so they just can use a browser and like when they're in the US or whatever, they just log in and then file the story or whatever. Um, and you hear, you like, you talk to other journalists about this and they just start belittling you. Like, haha, what's the American government going to do? Put spyware on your computer? <laughs> yeah. Probably, <laughs> you know, and they're like, "Yeah, you're crazy." No, no, that, that, no, we're not crazy. We're not. We're not crazy. This is a case, and this is why the why the this episode is called this. This is ca the case where the conspiracy theorists were right again. They are right sometimes. There are lots of idiotic conspiracy theories, but sometimes, you know, what's that saying about being paranoid? Like sometimes, you know, being paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. And if you're a journalist or whatever, like you, like you'd assume this, right? If I worked for like the Bundestag or the Parliament or whatever, right? I'd, I'd assume that I'm a target for certain people, right? If I worked for Airbus or whatever, I'd assume I'm a target. Yes, of course, I worked for Heiser. I'd assume I'm, now I'm I'm a freelance journalist. I assume I'm a target, right? I am totally not like. I will be a bit surprised, but I will not like completely surprised if one day just the police knocks on my door and goes, "Yeah, we're gonna have you. Want to have your computer, right?" I have a, I have a thing next to my door, uh, of the number I need to call to get a lawyer in case they want to search my flat, right? Because I'm paranoid, but I'm probably for good reason. <laughs> So, yeah, so next time, I mean, if you're just listening to this and you're maybe a new and whatever, you're like, next, just take away that sometimes these people, you know, these, these experts, these geeks, these nerds that, that deal about this shit, sometimes they're just like, maybe, maybe they're paranoid for a reason because they're, you know, they're, they've, they've seen all this shit before and it's a pattern. I mean, I'm only doing this for like, you know, if you count like not professional journalists, maybe 20 years. You know, I'm following these stories. I'm interested in like hardcore. I don't know how could, how how operating systems work. And, you know, and that got me into like Linux and open source, and that got me into security. And I've always been interested in privacy, pretty much. I don't know why, and politics and all of that. And so let's say 20 years, and I've only been at this for 20 years. That's not like in a historic uh, time frame. That's not long. Um, but I've, I've seen these things repeat. I've seen these patterns repeat over and over and over again. So I, I don't know. Maybe, can we please break out of this a little bit? I don't know. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be nice? I think that that would be a good idea. But anyway, I, I feel like I keep repeating myself, so I don't want to bore you 
anymore. Um, let's let's finish this topic and head to the feedback section. And actually, there is not really any feedback I want to talk about right now, but but I feel it's kind of okay. I was kind of worried about this, but I, I you know, I put the show notes together, but then it was like, I'm probably going to ramble about this topic long enough. And yeah, uh, soon enough, it's almost like two hours. So I have, but you know, I had a, we had lots of valid feedback from Twitch chat today, uh, which I thought was great. So we actually had a lot of feedback. And I also had uh, two producers contact me uh independently with two independent stories so this is uh, stefan and also gold taron um who's also a twitch subscriber um and in chat once in a while but they basically independently just sent me two stories that i found interesting and i'm not gonna cover them here because i think that would be wasted i think both of these things are future topics uh they're in the book uh, in my little notebook um of of ideas for the show and you know, so many extra episodes I have to do in the future. Um, I'm, I'm sure we'll need them. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. And one of the reasons I mentioned that is because um, I want other people to know that it's really helpful to me. You know, if you write in and you're like, oh, look at this. This kind of is tangentially uh, connected to what, what you spoke about on this episode. Or maybe this is interesting to you. Or maybe this could be interesting to the listeners. Uh, please do that. Uh, go to privatecitizen.press. There's contact link in the top. Uh, has lots of possibilities to contact me. And um, by doing that, you become a producer um, because you're helping produce the show, right? You're giving me ideas. You're giving me topics. And um, please do that. PrivateCitizen.press. Of course, there are also other ways uh, to become a producer. Which is a segment I call Toss a Coin to Your Podcaster because he's a friend of humanity. Uh, if you haven't seen the, uh, the Witcher on Netflix, you should do that. Even if you're not interested in the games or whatever, watch it. It's great. Henry Cavill does a great job. It's a great show. There are not many movies, probably none, or TV shows um, made based on video games that are truly great. This one is. Probably also because, you know, before video, before the video game was books. Anyway, watch The Witcher. But uh, totally unrelated. You can, of course, also help the show monetarily because, you know, this is value for value. Um, it's what uh, No Agenda calls this model. And I like that, which is, um, you know, get it for free. And then you can decide your own value. You can also call it pay what you want, uh, maybe. Um, but, you know, you don't have to. The idea is uh, I don't want to guilt you into it. I'm just mentioning it because I am somewhat dependent on it. But, you know, I don't want to, if you listen to this, I don't want to guilt you specifically. I just want everybody, the the whole community to know that, you know, if nobody helps out, this show is going to go away. Because I kind of need to somehow make a little bit of money from this. Otherwise, I will have to get myself a job at some point and then I probably won't have time to do this anymore. Um, if past experiences are 
are an indicator. Anyway, so um, I make it quick. You can become a patron on Patreon, which is like a monthly thing, but uh, it starts at $1, I think. Um, depends on where you are, taxes, whatever. Um, you can also send one-off uh, monetary contributions to the pay via PayPal to the email address producers at fab.industries. And if that doesn't work, you can contact me and we can work something out. Uh, I have an Amazon wish list and people have been threatening to send me checks. Uh, luckily, they haven't done that yet because I don't know how checks work. And I'm not even joking. Um, yeah, that's how it works. And part of the value for value model is, of course, I mean, you're a producer doing that. And I like to credit everybody who's helped. And same as I credit everybody who's, you know, writes in comments and stuff. So my thanks for this episode um, go to the people who have contributed monetarily via Patreon and PayPal. Those people are Georges, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Johnson M. Heavy, Michael Mullen Jensen, Dave, 1i11G, Michael Small, Jackie Plage, Philip Klostermann, Vlad, Jaroslav Lichtblau, IKN, Kai Sears, Bennett Piata, Fadi Mansour, Joe Poser, Dirk Didi, Tobias, Mode 7, David Potter, Sandman 616, Mika, Martin, Rodain the Insane, Rizal, Avis, Mr. Amish, Dave Amrish, Drive Zero, Ricky M, Barry Williams, Jonathan Edwards, Cam, Philip, Captain Egghead, RJ Tracy, D, Rick Bragg, Robert Forster, Superuser, No Reply, and Astral C. And don't forget, he loves cashing checks, says Motem. I literally don't know how it works. Also, my bank is physically in Hamburg and I'm in Düsseldorf. So if I have to physically go there, I will have to drive 400 kilometers and back to cash the check. Or I'll just wait till I'm in Hamburg the next time. I could do that as well. Um, I go there once in a while. Um, but I would also like to thank my Twitch subscribers. As you noticed, I'm recording this live on Twitch, which doesn't mean anything to you if you listen to a podcast. You're like, Twitch, what the fuck's that? I'm basically live streaming the show because I've, I've realized uh, a few podcasts, other podcasts I've been doing, podcasts back, shows back, that people kind of like that. Some people like it. Other people just like the podcast. But, you know, I, it's, this, it's not that much work to me. I stream on Twitch anyway, you know, playing video games. So I'm like, why not do it? And, you know, you learn something. There's, I mean, there's a link in the show notes, Private Citizen Press. I'll upload these to YouTube afterwards so you can watch them on demand. And especially in this episode, you will see some editing magic in the beginning. Um, and then I explain actually what I'm doing. I'm kind of doing this also because people have been interested always how to do podcasts. And you can see me do it. Like I have screen sharing on. Uh, you see the software I use. You see how I do it. And once in a while, I do like a long stream where I also do the editing live. Um, anyway, so that's, you know, that's Twitch. Um, and of course, on Twitch, you can also support the show. You can subscribe, which is like also a monthly thing. Uh, except on Twitch, if you have Amazon Prime, you can have one subscription for free. You have to renew it every month, but you can basically support me for free. I get money, you pay nothing. Well, aside from having Prime anyway. Um <clears throat> So I would like to thank my Twitch subscribers as well. Those are Mike the Dane, Flash Gordo, Redeemer R, Redeemer F, Galtaran, Bacon the Pork, Jonathan MH underscore com, Sandman616, Zenith252, Centuria Purchase, and Mode7 is unavailable. And lots of these people are uh, also supporting the show in other ways, commenting, uh, uh, Patreon. Lots of, lots of people are that, that support the show uh, are very loyal, which I find is great. Um, 
and you know it's the usual i don't know people say it's 0.1 percent of your listenership for me it's probably more because you know with stuff like when you go really niche like linux or privacy people are um very invested in the topic very passionate so um it's probably closer to one percent um but you know you're the you're the one percent keep it going for everybody else so i appreciate that very much uh and then I have to thank Bindmark at bindmark.co.uk, which is a UK hosting company. Uh, they provide me with the servers pro bono that the audio files reside on, and that is extremely important to the well-being of the show. So thanks to Bindmark. Um, very much appreciated. So, and then the last thing is I'm going to play you out. First, I have to mention Acoustic Roots, which is the theme song. Raul Cabazali, like to give him credit. You know, I've licensed this song. I've, I've paid him for it, but uh, I just... You know, like to know. Uh, I think it's a great song, and he's, he's recorded and uh, composed it. So uh, thanks, Raul, for that. And I'm gonna play you out with this song called "Settle Your Regrets." By I thought this was very ap- applicable to the show today. By a non-state actor. <laughs> I love that artist name, non-state actor. It's pretty cool. Um, oh, it's a restless Jim says live in uh, in in in, in Twitch chat. Damn! Did my subscription run out again? Yeah, I mean that's that happens with Prime. That's that's the thing, right? You have to you have to renew it. Um, but no worries. I mean, if you just you know click that button, you'll be. I'll I'll put you in for the next show. Um, I always pull them before I do the show. Uh, happens happens to me all the time uh, with with the people I'm subscribed on on Twitch. Um, well, the the ones I was like I have some. You know, I always have. I use the Prime subscription, of course. I also have other subscriptions that just auto renew. Um, but with the Prime subscriptions, times out once in a while. Those times. Anyway, I'm gonna gonna run. I um, need to finish this podcast, get it get it out to everybody. And um, I don't know. I'm not gonna say anything about extra shows. I've done that too much in the past. They're gonna be there at some point. I'm really busy right now. Um, it's it's the same stories always. Uh, I'm always I always think like, oh, it's gonna get less busy, and then. Stuff just happens, you know, but some of it is just free time where I'm like away on the weekend, which I very much uh, cherish right now uh, to be able to travel again and meet some people, um, even though uh, it is still under, you know, shitty circumstances. It's still not as free as I would wish it to be uh, and I have to wear things in my face that I don't want to wear in my face, but, you know, it's getting better. So I'm currently... um, taking every opportunity let's put it that way um so i have less free time and can do the show in but you know there'll be some there'll be some extra uh, extra episodes to be sure and of course there's always going to be next wednesday um i'm going to try to stick to these wednesday releases as much as i can so uh see you next week and uh yeah thanks for listening uh and you know Aim to misbehave. And uh I don't know. If does wanker if does wankers hack hack your iPhone, just uh drive over it with a car, throw it out the window, throw it in the river. Fuck him. Fuck him. <laughs>
sun. 